From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast, hot takes edition after Florida State demolishes Duke 56-35. to It wasn't as close as the score, as anybody who watched this game knows. As always, I want to thank my sponsors, EPR Creations. If you have any internet needs, they're the people to talk to. Information's in the show notes. And then, of course, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That's shenrealty.com. And then also Garage Makeovers, the top-rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. Thanks, as always, to them for their support. And then, of course, I've got the uh, additional sponsor that I uh, brought up in the last episode, and that is my own book. As I said then, if you are interested in anything about the Bible or about early Judaism, early Christianity, this will help you understand them better. And if you if you're not interested in those things, I'm sure you know someone who is. And so, you know, if you want to buy something for a pastor or a rabbi or that crazy conspiracy theory uncle who you see, you know, twice a year at Thanksgiving and Christmas, buy him this book. He'll really appreciate it. And so will I. Very much appreciated if you can pre-order that book. Information's in the show notes. All right, so what a defensive meltdown. I mean, giving up 778 total yards, 554 rushing yards, 10.4 yards per, or 10.1 yards per rush. Unbelievable. Now, of course, I'm talking about Miami's defense against North Carolina, 62 to 40, 62 to 26. North Carolina obliterates Miami on their home field. When Miami has a chance to lock up a, an, an Orange Bowl berth and really move move up, top ten Miami did not look like that tonight. So, or today. So that. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I just couldn't help but lead off with that one because, you know, as 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 nice as it might be for Florida State fans to see actual production and a and a decent performance from their team and a and a. And a Pretty close to a blowout win. I, I would say it was a blowout win against against Duke. As nice as that is to see, it's a whole lot. It was. I think. I think most listeners would agree that it was far more enjoyable <laughs> to watch Miami look so helpless against a North Carolina team that Florida State beat somehow. And those stat lines to watch them give up. 24 carries for 308 yards and two touchdowns, 12.8 yards per carry to Tallahassee native Michael Carter, and then 23 carries for 236 yards and three scores, 10.3 yards a clip to Javante Williams. That um, That's not getting it done, Hurricane defense. That is not getting it done. They, they Carolina jumped on him early and... <laughs> Miami's always been such front runners. You jump on them early and they just, they, they quit against anybody but Florida State, basically. And they, they quit. You could see those guys quit in this game. So that was very pleasant to watch. Uh, if you haven't seen that game, go, go find a DVR, find somewhere where, you know, watch it on YouTube or whatever, because it's, uh, it's enjoyable to watch the, the folks in Orange really struggle. All right, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Now, as for the, the Florida State Duke game, you got to be pretty pleased by most of what you saw. In this game, Florida State dressing just about 50 players in this game, just over 50 players in this game, and then coming out and 
really doing whatever they wanted in three of the four quarters offensively. You know, the th- second quarter was a bit of an issue. They came out in the first quarter, nine yards per play. In the first quarter, 28 points. Duke held Duke to five yards per play, which is not great. That, that Duke offense is not good. And they, you know, gave up, gave up a little more than you'd like to see there, but also forced a turnover, forced another turnover early in the second quarter. And then things really bogged down. 2.3 yards per play in the, in the second quarter as Duke seemed to kind of get a, a feel, a little bit of a feel for what uh, for what Florida State was doing. I also think they, in the second quarter, my impression was that they tried to stretch just a little bit to have Jordan Travis do some things that he's not quite as good at and to have that offense do some things that they're not quite as good at. With a 28-point lead, they wanted to give them, or actually a 21-point lead going into the second quarter, uh, with a 21-point lead at that stage, and it being pretty obvious that Duke couldn't stop the run, that that when they wanted to go any sort of read option type thing, Duke couldn't, they just didn't have the personnel to stop it. My impression was that in the second second quarter, they tried to run some things, to do some other things that that they felt would help them down the line and would also give some experience in some things and uh, and got away from some of the stuff that was as successful in the first quarter. But that makes sense to me if you're if you're trying to again get a feel for what your personnel can do to run some other things that you don't run that often just yet and some things that your quarterback isn't isn't quite as comfortable with and then you know they also just in terms of execution and all that they they had the fumble they had an, an interception there on a poor throw uh, so overall just not not the the quarter that you want there but then came out after the after the half and basically put the screws to them averaged 9.9 yards per play in the second half, uh, largely due to the 73-yard uh, Toafili run and then a 60-plus yard uh, completion for a touchdown as well in the, um, in that being to Ja'Kai Douglas, 68 yards to Ja'Kai Douglas. Those definitely helped boost the yard per play average, but again, executed well in the second half. And you got to be pretty pleased with 7.5 yards per rush, 346 yards on the ground, and 9.4 yards overall per attempt passing. So, I mean, you, you got to be pleased with an 8.2 yards per play outing against just about anybody. Now, defensively, could have been better. 5.1 yards per play given up on the day, gave up 25 first downs against a team that's just not very good. And 4.8 yards per rush, that just... There's still so many issues with with Florida State up front right now where they're just not putting things together the way that they need to. And I mean, yeah, they only played 50 some, only dressed 50, 51, whatever it was, guys in this game. But they're still putting Kando, Janarius Robinson, Briggs, and Cooper out there as your, as your starting defensive front and still giving up. 4.8 yards per rush against a bad Duke team. You, I'm sorry that that's not good enough. And at some point there, this is late enough in the year where, I mean, I've got the, the Florida LSU game on and you're already seeing, I mean, they're, they're so shorthanded at LSU right now. And they're, they had the same kind of new system being installed with Bo Pelini and all this. And you've seen the same kinds of problems from them all year. But the last couple games, including this one, 
where they're up on Florida, as I'm looking at it right now, and they forced a couple turnovers, including this one, you're, you're seeing some steps taken forward as the new system is coming in and as, as players are starting to get it. And to be honest, I'm not sure we're seeing any of that right now from Florida State defensively. And that, that's, a, that's a serious concern. You've got to be able to start getting guys to buy in to what you're doing to get the pieces to start to fit together. And I've not, I've not seen that so far in the last few games. You, you would hope that, especially after a few weeks where, yeah, guys are getting shuffled around. I know. I mean, you've got freshmen at linebacker and, and a couple of those freshmen looked awfully slow today. I hate to say, uh, 32 and 46, there were a few plays where it was like, oh man, that, um, he looks like he's running in molasses, but you know, that's, you got you, you know what personnel you got and those guys should not be just getting run around all the time or run through all the time. And defensively, they're going to need to figure some things out in the off season. And Norvell's going to have to do some self-scouting and some evaluation of what direction he wants to go there. Because at this point, there's just not the, the, the lack of coordination is really what I see. And that's not it, a lot of people are talking about this as a scheme issue. Florida State's scheme is, is fine. They're running. It, it's interesting to me to watch Florida State struggle so mightily with what they're doing defensively when they are calling exactly the same scheme and the same calls per situation and formation down and distance and everything that you're seeing Mike Elko call at Texas A&M. I mean, he's calling exactly the same stuff. I mean, I, I watch a Texas A&M game and I can name the, I can name the, the, the play call in Florida state's system. And it's the same play call that, that Mike Elko is calling. I mean, even where they line up their defensive backs and some people might say, oh, well, you know, they're not lining their defensive backs, uh, you know, on the goal line, you know, from from the eight yard line. Oh, yeah, they are. All that stuff's the same. But the level of execution and the level of buy in and coordination of getting guys to be on the same page. And that's really what coordination is about, is making sure that everybody on your defense is on the same page because any any basic scheme can work. No scheme is unsound, as it were. You have to, the key is to make sure that everybody on your defense is on the same page. You can't have this guy doing one thing that doesn't really fit with what this guy's doing. You have to have everybody coordinated. And that starts with the scheme, yes. But the problems Florida State have are not scheme. The problems are coordination right now. And that starts with having the defensive coaching staff on the same page. And we've seen the last few years what a difference it can make when you have a coaching staff defensively that's just not, that they just don't get along or they don't see eye to eye on different things and they're not coordinated. And I think right now that's what they need to do. And I don't know, look, I, I don't know whether that's something that they can do with Fuller. I don't know if that's a situation where they're going to need to bring somebody else in, whether that be as a, in a co-situation or to, to be the de facto guy while they demote Fuller. I don't know what the what what the what the requirements of this are going to be, but I do know that at this stage of the season, with the personnel that they're putting on the field, they've got to be able to get better execution out of the defense than what we saw against Duke, against a bad Duke team. And again, well, it wasn't terrible, but they did give up 4.8 yards per rush to that team, a team that you do not have to respect the pass. And that's not good enough. 
Offensively, though, like I said, you, it's hard to hard to be hard to complain about 324 yards rushing and 9.4 yards per attempt in in the passing game. I mean, they're they're running really right now what they're what they're doing, and, and of course, Norvell is straight off of the uh, off of the Gus Malzahn tree. Now he he's gone in a different direction in terms of what he's done to that offense, but the base is the Gus Malzahn base. Well, they're running basically Auburn's offense right now in terms of all the read option and basically running an option offense with a big play pass offense to go with it. You know, basically relying on the on the big plays in the passing game rather than doing a whole lot of, of possession passing because they just don't have the ability to do it right now. But it's working, and this is a very different team when Jordan Travis is playing quarterback. I mean, when he's healthy and he's able to actually run, when he's able to do stuff, they're a different team. And it, it reminds me a lot of that Auburn team that Florida State played in 2014, in the 2014 BCS national title game back in the 2013 season, where you had a quarterback that really not, not really ever going to play in the NFL as a, as a thrower, but a really good athlete who doesn't lose games for you and can cause all sorts of headaches for defensive coordinators by what he does in the, in the running game and throwing the, the deep ball well enough to cause serious problems. So don't, don't, don't overlook that. Now that said, I I'm still of the view that if you can get a McKenzie Milton or somebody like that, uh, or, you know, just somebody that's going to, that's ultimately going to be able to run the full offense better. Having Jordan Travis move to a slash role, which is where he would have to play in the NFL anyway, that to me, it would be the ideal for next year and moving forward. But this, this team this year, and depending on what happens for next year, I mean, it could be the case again. They're just different when Travis is, is a quarterback. So you, you got you got to tip your cap and say that guy knows how to win and he knows how to play the game and, and he knows how to slow things down for himself. I mean, it makes it, it makes a big difference. So a few other notes here. What a spectacular interception by Travis J. And I'll I'll say this. It. I wouldn't cry if they experimented with him at wide receiver some in the spring and maybe, you know, tested out what, whether, whether he's a guy that you want to have the, the ball in his hands eight, 10 times a game. Cause I mean, they got some, they've got some depth in the defensive backfield that, that is going to be there that he, he's got a chance to be a, a, a difference maker back there, but I, I get this sense that, you know, Jimbo Fisher used to talk about how, you know, you got you, you put your your real talented guys on defense, but then you got the guys who can change the scoreboard, and those guys you got to put on offense. Well, you know I, I I get this impression, and just watching him with the ball in his hands on returns a few times this year, especially before he got dinged up, watching him with the ball in his hands, you just get the impression that he might be one of those guys that just changes the numbers on the scoreboard. I. I'd kick the tires on him on the offensive side of the ball in the spring, to be honest. Don't be surprised if you see it too, because I, I, I'm telling you, the coaching staff is gonna is gonna see that as well. So, and they they're they're gonna need some some guys that can uh, that can that can make plays on the offensive side, given what they're losing. So, that'll be an interesting one to see. Other notes: thought Jakai Douglas, despite I think one drop that that was pretty bad. Uh, Ja'Kai Douglas looked pretty good, looked fast. I do wonder where Corey Wren is. Uh, he's a guy that is the fastest guy on this team and 
in current situation you'd expect to see him on the field right now. And I, I haven't heard anything about him being dinged up, but I, I do wonder why in the current circumstances that guy's not getting some, you know, at least a little bit of, of burn, a little bit of, luck, uh, of a look because there's no benefit of, uh, to, to redshirting a guy. So you know, I have to imagine that he's, um, he's, he's dinged up and, and that's why he's not playing. But I did, it was refreshing to see, uh, to see Hamza Nasiruddin out there again. Got his first interception, also led the team in tackles, picked up right right where he left off. Didn't look quite as fluid or as fast as he did before the injury, but you know that's not not to be expected at this point. You don't expect him to look quite like that. Still, still kind of coming back, but still would have been really nice to have that guy all year. And tip of the cap to uh, Treshawn Ward for a nice performance from a walk on. Always like to see the three digit guys. Uh, perform and get in and, and step up and, and take hold of their chances when they get it. So all told, this is definitely a game Florida state was happy to, uh, to have played and gives a little bit of, of something positive to, to go out on, uh, especially if they can take this performance and build on it against wake forest who lost to Louisville this week. Uh, if they can do that next week and, and go up and actually get a win against wake forest, they can, they can leave this season with more buy-in from some guys and the opportunity to uh, to to carry some positive momentum into into an offseason that really is the first offseason that this coaching staff will have with this set of players. And again, they're going to have to do some evaluation of exactly what where they're going on the defensive side of the ball and and what they need to do to make sure that everything is is properly fitting together and and that uh, that there's appropriate uh, buy-in from all levels there and that everybody's pulling the right direction. But um, that's something that they'll have to evaluate in the off season. And like I said, it's not a scheme issue, but there are very clearly some, some, there's, there's some pieces that are not all pulling in the same direction at all the time. And that's, that's what needs to get fixed here. I'll go ahead and wrap it there. The unconquered podcast is brought to you by EPR creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina garage makeovers of Palm beach and Broward County and the unconquered podcast shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple podcasts, post us on social media and tell a friend. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. As well as Jonathan Kennedy and Tyler Kashishki. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>